Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Reactive Redefined will reopen for enrollment on Monday, January 2nd. If you have been waiting to be a part of our group coaching program and you're already on the wait list, rest assured you will be the first to know when enrollment opens. If you'd like to be one of the first to know, be sure to join the wait list. You can check out the link in the show notes. If you feel like you need more immediate support, join the self-guided version of Reactive Redefined in the meantime, and then we'll apply what you invest in the self-guided towards the group coaching program. Steph and I are so looking forward to welcoming new teams into Reactive Redefined and seeing you all thrive and grow together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I have some of my extraordinary clients with me today, and we are going to talk all about their dog who has maybe the best dog name I've ever heard. But before we do that, do you guys want to introduce yourself for the listeners really fast? Sure. Um, I'm Elizabeth. I am Bagel's mom, dog mom. (laughs) I'm Charles and I'm his adoptive father. (laughs) (laughs) And you are Team Bagel. Team Bagel. Team Bagel. Okay, so tell everyone a little bit more about Bagel, his age, his breeding. Can you just kind of describe for everybody what he looks like? Yeah. Um, So Bagel is going to be about two in December. We're not super sure. Um, but we did a DNA test and his breed is like 54% Beagle. And then his next highest group is like Bichon. And then he has some Silky Terrier and some Yorkie and then some Pekingese. Um, so he's really weird. Um, (laughs) but kind of looks like a weird, he almost has the shape of a Basset Hound, with the coloring of a Yorkie with big floppy ears and the tiniest legs in the world. Yeah, long body, short legs, but he's kind of got like the York, like long hair Yorkie coat. It's like yes. kind of luxurious, actually. <laughs> yes, it's a very interesting combination of dog. Oh my God. And he's so cute. He's so cute. Okay, so because I love his name, who was it your idea, Elizabeth? Charles, was it your idea? Who wanted to call him Bagel? We spent such an incredibly long amount of time before even like meeting bagel on what the dog's name would be and it was not until like on the drive back that we really settled on bagel um it's because it's been the same way for like all of our pets where we spend a very long amount of time just throwing out random words until we find one that we like and bagel took a very long time to get to that it was a couple days worth of just word association Oh my God. It's so fitting though. Like he could never be called anything else. He's a bagel. And yes, it don't make sense. What was his name from the shelter? Was it Buttons? Yeah. So his shelter name was Buttons. And so we were trying to throw out words that had B because he's, he doesn't look like a Buttons. No. Um, but we felt like maybe he would learn his name faster if it started with the oh same one. That's really good thinking. Okay. So walk everybody through um, his adoption story. Okay, 
So it gets a little bit confusing because when we first adopted Bagel, um, we like asked the shelter workers where Bagel came from. And the first story we were told is that Bagel was a farm dog who had to be taken away from his owners because they threatened to shoot him for chasing cats. And we said, okay, sounds- That seems crazy, but whatever, right? Well, we're in like North Missouri. The shelter was in rural Iowa, like not completely out of the blue. Right. Also, Um, they said he like came in with his mom too, I think. Yeah. And that's how they knew he was half Beagle, half Shih Tzu. And they were for sure on the Shih Tzu part, Um, which is not true. But then we later, we started working with a veterinary behaviorist and she asked us to like get a more in-depth history for Beagle. And so then I emailed the shelter and said, hey, so I know this story. Like, is there any other details you can give us? Um, and then that person got back to us and said, oh, so Bagel actually used to belong to an elderly woman who kept her or kept him in her house for the first eight months of his life um, until she had to go to an assisted living facility and couldn't take him, um, which makes a little bit more sense in the context of who Bagel is. Right, which we will get to everyone. We will tell you all of those things. Okay, so um tell everybody a little bit about what um those first couple of weeks were like when you brought Bagel home. So the first couple of weeks with Bagel, um at the shelter he was terrified. Um he like escaped the first time we came to visit, he escaped the crate he was in and like ran around and everyone had to chase him like they let us take him outside for a walk. And then he tried to sprint away from us multiple times, like, while he was on a leash. Oh, um, so stressed. Just so, so stressed. stressed. Um, as soon as we got him, like, to our house, he said, oh, okay. The introduction from him to our cat, Toby, was honestly, like, the most tame interaction you could imagine for two animals that had never met before. And, like, honestly, the first couple weeks was just kind of like, it was just like having a puppy, right? Like, we were working on, like, getting him trained to, you know, go to the bathroom outside and not in the house. We were sort of like trying to keep him penned in um, and not letting him just like get around everywhere. We had a baby jail in our kitchen, (laughs) which we didn't have a baby gate at the time. So we put a bookshelf up. He tore through the back of my bookshelf trying to get out. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it was really fun. But he was like... It did just seem like he was a puppy. Yeah. Like we were kind of prepared. Like for- nothing out of the ordinary. Like everything yeah. you would expect from like bringing a young dog into the house. Yeah, because he was eight months old when we adopted him. So it was like, okay, he'll probably grow out most of this. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Until he didn't. Until it, well, he grew out of some of that. Um, about a month in, we went, I don't think that they're that this is the normal way a dog should react to being outside um because we would take him he went on four walks a day because we didn't have a yard um sometimes it was five but we really felt like he needed an sometimes extra it one. was six depending on how late we were. oh my god right <laughs> yes. or like can we tire you out so you'll sleep through the night like yeah <laughs> it was a combination of needing to get all of the energy out and then also like he was not fully potty trained so we were like okay we'll do we need to like add in another one um, but it was, we started to realize that anytime we would go outside or like anytime he would see anything or hear anything. And I, 
I'm not using anything as like a catch-all. It was literally anything that was moving or making any noise. He was barking and lunging and it was yeah, overwhelming. I, I think like the wildest example is, you know, we, we live pretty much on the midpoint of our street. Um, and our street was maybe a good like 100, 150 feet lengthwise to the end. Um, and it, he would see a stroller from our house all the way down, like on the road that sort of did a loop around our house and he would lose his mind. He, he couldn't handle it. Um, just from someone like easily a hundred, like easily 7,500 feet away. Um, he couldn't handle it. And we lived in a duplex. And so, you know, there'd be people, you know, the people next door coming home, going in and out of the house. He would always be really reactive just to sounds. Um, and early on, we really had to make an adjustment with, you know, we used to have our cat tree just in the front living room and by the window, he learned to climb up into the cat tree despite him being really awkwardly long. Uh, so he could look out the window and then he'd look out the window and bark at anything that went past, you know? And he was just hyper aware. He was just hyper aware yeah. of everything in his visual, everything he was hearing, right? Okay, so um, what was the precipice of you reaching out to me? So I worked at a job where... I was like walking for 14 hours a day and we worked alone. So we all listened to a bunch of podcasts. And when it started to get to the point where we were like, okay, I, we need to do something. Um, I started listening to your podcast and um, we had been discussing doing reactive redefined. Um, and so we were kind of like waiting for the next enrollment period. Um, and then Bagel had his first like, actual bite to someone and the next day we said okay Rachel please help us with our dog yeah Elizabeth so, had a really strong foundation with like training and everything um I never had a dog I didn't even have a pet growing up um the first time I had a pet was a cat in college and so I have had no experience living with a dog at this point at all um or really interacting with one and I was out of my depth Elizabeth was out of her depth just habits working with animals um so we, we really were looking for like anyone who had any kind of understanding of what was going on because we didn't yeah so we i i kind of made like a custom training plan for you all because it was not time to join reactive redefine but you needed my immediate support so we ended up working one-on-one -on -one and then i brought you into the membership right so you know everyone who's listening i do make some exceptions for reactive redefine if you urgently need me and i'm so happy i did right so okay so walk everybody through a little bit of um obviously bagel can be reactive to a lot of could be that he's making a lot of improvement but can you give everybody just a little bit more of a sense of like when we started working together people dogs what were the triggers then yeah so there are kind of two groups it was like things inside that would make bagel bark his head off um and then things outside that were like a barky lungy i need to get to that thing um, and so inside, it was mainly like people knocking at doors, people closing doors, like of cars outside, like rustling of leaves. Um, it was too windy that day. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much any small noise would like set him off. Outside, he was less, like he wasn't less attuned to the noise, but I think there was so much more going on that like, he wasn't worried about like a rustling of leaves, but it was Anytime we saw any person anywhere, 
Um, anytime we saw a dog with a person, he was kind of okay with dogs that were behind a fence, but not like it was a pole rather than a barking lungy. Right. Uh, anything with wheels, specifically like strollers, scooters, bikes. Hates bikes. Hates bikes. <laughs> um, and then also, <laughs> we didn't have sidewalks where we lived. So cars, trucks, his worst enemy for a good portion of his life was the Oath Senior Transport van in our town um, that conveniently was housed a block away from our house. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, bagel was bagel was struggling with sensory overload. Yes, all the time. Right, right. Okay, and I think that because of that level of stress, constant stress, right? Nothing that you both did, just the world at large. It kind of compounded, and do you feel like that's kind of what got us to the first bite? Yeah. So the first bite was a little like we knew bagel didn't like people. We had like internalized this. We had a system for people coming into our house. Um, and so the general system was we would text people and say, hey, wait outside. My dog needs to meet you outside. We would put Bagel on his harness and on a leash. We would walk Bagel out to see him. And then we would all come inside together. This particular night um, was one of my good friends who had been to our house before, um, kind of before the whole bagel got really weird about new people kind of happened. And it was a thunderstorm that turned into a tornado warning because we're in Missouri. So there was like wind and rain and thunder sirens. and sirens. Um, yeah. And so I texted her and she didn't see it. So she knocked on our door, which bagel also didn't love. Um, and then so I really quickly just like threw bagel on a leash and tried to like poke my head out to be like, we need our, we need to meet you outside. Um, and she was obviously trying to come in from the storm and hadn't seen my text. So she like reached down to say hi to bagel and bagel said, absolutely not. Um, and so it was kind of a compounding situation. Yeah. yeah. So many things going on. Right. And let's be honest. It's, sucks when your dog bites someone especially one of your friends right like it sucks like there's no other way to say it it is not cool like it's not fun it's not enjoyable and it's also one of those that like I think that the dog training industry at large it makes it easy to be like you have to control the dog we have to do things at all costs but when we peel away the pieces we realize that bagel was so trigger stacked that biting was the only thing that he felt like he could do. Right. Like, you know, I, I have to commend both of you because you have been so patient and understanding of bagels, special needs, right? Like, let's be honest, bagels, an extraordinary dog, but he has very special needs, right? Like he's not just like an easy squeezy, like I'm cool with everybody kind of dog. And that's okay. Right. We got to respect that about him. So (laughs) this was the beginning, everyone. Right. Okay. So we started working together and we worked on lots of things, right? We worked on strategies. We worked on, um, you know, strategies for having people over. We talked about muzzle training. We talked about a lot of strategies for troubleshooting some of the reactivity that we were seeing out on walks and, there was progress, right? Like, because Bagel is a really smart dog, 
right? Like, and okay, so Elizabeth, just a little sidebar here. Will you just tell everybody just a little bit of your history with training animals? Because I think it's relevant for this conversation. Yeah, so um, I grew up with dogs, which is not a qualification. Um, <laughs> but, but you did, I, yes. Yeah, I grew up with dogs, so I kind of knew what was going on. Um, throughout my high school and college career, I both volunteered and then later worked as a trainer at a bird sanctuary. So we did solely positive reinforcement work with birds of prey. Um, and so we trained them for like cooperative care tasks, getting their nails trimmed, getting their beaks trimmed, that kind of thing, um, like going in and out of their crates for transport. And then we also trained them for educational shows at zoos. So we did a lot of like free flying work um, and like just fun little tricks. Um, and then later in college, I took a bunch of animal behavior courses. And then I also took specifically a companion animal management course that had a whole section on dog training. <laughs> Um, which so you had so many good skills that I we were able just to leverage, right? Like you already understood clicker mechanics, you already had really good timing. So it's like the training exercises that you were working on inside were going really well, right? Like when the distraction level was pretty low, and you could be like, okay, cool, this is the goal, we're gonna get there. Like I remember we worked on going in his crate on cue, just like some basic skills, and that was going pretty well. Charles, do you want to just tell everybody a little bit about like how you uh, played catch up really well. I mean, you have great mechanics and timing now, but you didn't have all of that. And you kind of had to like, I, I guess you kind of had the luxury of you got to watch Elizabeth do it and kind of learn, but you have been a very active participant in bagels training. Yeah, I guess going into it, I just, I think I had the right mindset before bagel even had like the reactivity really start to manifest where um, I knew going into it, how much of it like, one would be life-changing <laughs> in right. a way, just like August. So like I had never had it before, but I knew that it would, it would turn my world a little bit upside down. And like, I had to be involved to a point. Um, it wasn't something where it's like, Oh, there's just going to be a dog in my house and I have nothing new to do or ever worry about. Um, and so I was kind of already kind of like ready to do more with it. Um, and, and, and you really spoke to it. Elizabeth having her there to, um, like sort of watch what she does, uh, made it much easier for me. Uh, I, I knew going into it the whole time that like, I would always be a couple steps behind and I still am. I just, that's what it's, what it's going to be. Right. Um, but it's nice to be able to not like to be able to take big one walks and not think that the things I'm doing are reinforcing what we're trying to work away from and that I'm able to actually like contribute to it and to see the progress that I make. Um, Cause I didn't have that at first at all. Like I was just, I would do everything wrong. <laughs> I would be talking Elizabeth through like, Oh yeah, no, like I had this situation and I was doing this. And then she would say, um, okay, so next time <laughs> maybe do it this way instead. Or I'd be, you know, I'd be trying to do cues and I would be saying the wrong cues for things. We'd be using different words for stuff. Um, I just went into it really understanding that like, I'm going to be doing it wrong. And I just need to accept that when I do it wrong, I just need to work to do it differently. Um, yeah. And <laughs> the really nice thing about bagel in a low distracting environment is that he's actually really tolerant and he's really quite patient with you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he, he, and Elizabeth, I know you've talked about this before, right? But it's like, 
Charles, you and Bagel are particularly bonded, right? Like you may not have the training, like experience and skills that Elizabeth did, but that didn't interfere with your relationship with him at all, right? If I'm any- chopped liver compared to uh, Charles <laughs> in any situation. Honestly, I don't know where it comes from because the, the kind of people that he was the, the worst towards and still is, is large men. And six <laughs> two and very much not the kind of person that Bagel typically likes at first. <laughs> I love that he has you. I love that he has you. Okay, so um, so he was making a lot of progress. You were teaching him a lot of skills. We were seeing them work. The leash reactivity was slowly getting more manageable, but it wasn't like huge leaps in progress. And then we were still struggling with some of the aggressing towards people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I remember us having the conversation of like, I think we need more medical support, right? Because you were doing everything. You were getting me training videos. You were putting in the time. We were seeing, we were seeing some progress, but it's like, you know, him barking at everything inside the house all day long. There was just like these compounds of stress that we couldn't eliminate. Right. So do you want to talk about that? Like kind of the, the medication journey? Yeah. So we, after we talked with you about that, it might be beneficial. um, We scheduled a vet appointment. Our vet gave us the classic, like, Okay, so we're going to do adaptal diffusers in all of your rooms. We're going to try... Um, Calming chews yeah. and different things like that. We like, tried, like, two non-pharmaceutical different, like, calming things. Um, and then we had trazodone situationally. Um, and so the calming chews didn't really do what we needed to do. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah, he had a lot of things going on. And so we went back to the vet a couple of times and went, okay, so I think we need something daily. We need like a pharmaceutical intervention here because like, I don't think any amount of homeopathic, like non-drugs will get us. They just were not listening to the intensity and frequency we're trying to like convey that is living with bagel every day. Yeah. And I think it also like, because our vet is the best and I love all of them so much. Um, but I think because Bagel is such a small dog, he's like 23 pounds. Um, and at the time he was only like 18. Um, I think us being like, yeah, he barks all the time. They went, yeah. I also that's think a small dog. That they kind of like it's like oh you know he's like he's not that old like it might just be like a behavioral thing he'll grow out of but it's like you know we would show them videos of him reacting to things and so they could see the intensity of it um and they'd be like okay cool that's what the situation on that is for you know before you take him on like a walk where it might be a bit hectic like that you know just give it give him situational minutes like we walk him five times a day <laughs> right <laughs> you know? and the reactions are happening in the house at things going by too right yeah so once we got that properly conveyed um he started on fluoxetine and immediately it was like all of the scary noise things that he could just hear from far away in the house went down so much and we said yeah and even like outside on walks and things like before it was you know he'd have a bad experience with one thing and then the entire walk was affected by that 
Um, it did not matter how long the walk was or where we were, if he was able to really like, you know, if he was just, we could take him out to like somewhere fun, like a park or something, and he'd see someone at one point, and it wouldn't matter that he's like, we're open free, there's nothing there. Um, he just could never really come down from it. And after the fluoxetine, I mean, he was, he was able to kind of have something happen and then like take a minute and, you know, and then it'd be back to square one. Oh my God. Right. Like he could like literally shake off and check back in. You'd be like, okay, okay. All right. You're back. All right, cool. Let's keep going. Right. But I think that it's really hard for that staff dog professionals to empathize with what it's really like to be the guardian for a dog like bagel and the everyday basis. Right. And like, he was young, but nothing about the behavior. Well, I shouldn't say nothing. A vast majority of the behavior we're seeing was not normal, right? Like he couldn't recover. He was always constantly stressed, right? Like there was so much more happening. And I know that it was a little challenging to kind of like push the vet, like, no, but for reals, we need meds. But I- I'm glad that I was there to support you. Like you aren't crazy. He does need the stuff. He's not recovering. We're compounding stress. He's not coming back down to baseline, right? And I think for everyone listening, like, it depends where you live. It depends the vet. But sometimes you have to be a little bit more diligent about advocating for what your dog really needs, right? And it's not that your vets were wrong, but it's like, you know, to your point, Elizabeth, I think young, small dog, it's a little bit easier to not take it as serious, Yeah. And one thing that really helped was eventually um, we adopted Bagel in October. And then this summer, um, we ended up seeing a vet behaviorist and we had like a two hour consultation and we like brought videos and we we brought all the receipts. And she said, oh, yeah. okay." (laughs) Um, It was like. But she ended up prescribing us another daily med um, in addition to the fluoxetine and then also ended up like giving us a whole protocol for how to approach vet visits from now on. Um, And it was really, really validating because our vet was like, they weren't against medication by any means, but like, because we had to kind of push to get him put on medication in the first place, having the vet behaviorist who was like, a professional in this specific circumstance go yeah okay we needed that and we also maybe need a little bit more which is really really nice to hear and the best part was like you know and and granted maybe if I had pushed more for understanding it with our vet they might have been able to do more but like during the consultation visit we had with the person they literally like okay they set their camera in front of a whiteboard and basically held a little class for us and explained, okay, so this is what's going on in Bagel's brain, right? Um, and this is what the medication is going to do to it. Uh, and explained, you know, basically like, it's like, oh yeah, this is what fluoxetine does. And it's like, great, I never knew that. And I can see now just what it was doing and that I'm realizing like, oh yeah, that's exactly what happened to him after he started that. And again, it, it was so validating for us. I still, like, I still think back to that experience. And I was actually, I don't think the behaviorist realized because we were just on like Zoom camera, um, but I was actually crying uh, when she started to really go through that. Cause it was like the, the experience of, especially for me having no idea what it was like going into it about what to expect, having whole, the entire world changed. 
right? Working when, when Bagel first started to experience his reactivity and exhibit that. Um, and to just have someone sit down and, ex- and break it down and explain it to me and make it seem like it was something that was like really, really could be something we could work with and, and really get somewhere from in just like a way that was just like, it, it meant the world to me to have that from someone. And Elizabeth does a great job with like helping me figure things out. And you, it's been wonderful working with you as well. Um, but to just like hear that support when the thing that had been the biggest fear in my life was Bagel not having his best quality life because we couldn't provide that for him because we could not give him medication that we can't prescribe ourselves. Right. It, it was just such a wonderful experience to have after having gone so long, not even a year, right? But for so, <laughs> so long. Okay, uh, but it's, it's been a journey, y'all. Like, this is not just like an easy, squeezy year. This has been a lot of ups and downs. And, and I think too, Charles, like just having the framework to understand that like Bagel is literally dealing with a chemical imbalance. His brain is not functioning in a way that promotes like the happy, calm dog who can recover and not go over threshold at everything, right? Like his brain just literally wasn't able to do that, right? And I'm sure like, okay, so then we added, they they prescribed another medication. Okay, shout out to veterinary behaviorists everywhere. We love you. Um, But then we got the second medication in there. And that's when you really started to see this beautiful upward trajectory in all of the stuff that you had been doing. Yeah. So he also started, um, the second medication was gabapentin um, that he had been prescribed for um, like situationally before, but we like apparently needed it daily. (laughs) Um, And after he started the gabapentin, uh, the veterinary behaviorist kind of explained it as currently his brain is going way too fast for his body to process. So like immediately when he sees the scary thing, he's going to try to attack it, Um, which was true. And I remember like a couple weeks after we started the gabapentin, we started seeing things that even on the Fluox team, Bagel would like have a giant reaction to. Um, And then because of the Fluox team, he could recover much quicker, but like the reaction itself would still happen. And then once like the gabapentin got fully into his system, I started noticing that he would see things and then turn and look up at me to get a treat. And I said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy because here's the thing is we had been working with Rachel on all of the things for like almost a whole year. And like, we were making such, like we were making progress and it was like notable progress, but it was like all of the training that we had been putting like hours and hours into, he said, oh yeah, I can do that. I know how to do that. And we said, okay, who are you, little man? Right, like, Uh, oh my God, okay, so we can just move on from this. Okay, cool, yeah, no, I feel good about that. Yeah. Yeah. The fluoxetine and the management together, you know, this is before we were in the house that we were in and we were in a very different neighborhood, but I think having that was able to get us to a point where he could handle things from a distance and he could have something we could start to work on normalizing some of the things that would be his, like his main fear points. Right. So things like, you know, having cars come past or, 
Um, you know, if he sees some, like a, like a runner from, you know, really far off way, um, he would be able to work with us and be able to sort of get more comfortable with that. But we could never really, like, it would never be to a point where it would be in any way, like, substantial for, like, in the moment, we can't control the situation. Like, there is someone actively, like, right by us. Um, and now I need to get him away. Like, we could, you know, five times out of ten get him with management skills through that situation where he might not have a reaction. But going on the gap today, I think that, like, Fox teams night and day. Um, and then it was gabapentin. And then I saw really what day could be um, where we could be in situations where there is a trigger actively, like not necessarily right in front of us, but pretty darn close. Um, and he's able to just handle it <laughs> to be able to like learn that it's not something that he needs to be afraid of. There are still some things where it's like based on the environment, based on the situation, he'll still react. Right. So like bikes are something that we've had a large number of times like during the day where, you know, he'll be fine. Like he'll see a bike and, you know, depending on where it's going and how quickly and how much noise it's making, he won't care at all. Like he won't even notice. He won't look up and, and care about it at all. Um, but, you know, now it's nighttime and the bike has a headlight on it and it's coming towards us. Um, that's a little different, <laughs> but we're able to like work to normalize a lot of these things in a way that's like really meaningful to him. Yeah. Well, and now he finally is in a learning space where you can actually actively implement more of the behavior modification techniques we talked about, right? Because for so long, it was like, there's no behavior modification happening here, right? Like, this is just like a simply management, like, like just damage control, right? Like, okay, how can we like get him out of here as quickly as we can, right? Um, So, you know, I think for everyone listening, it's really important to remember that we have to have a dog who is in a space to learn, right? Because you can have all the tools, you can know all the things, but if the dog's brain isn't doing what it needs to do, there's it's not going to work, right? Like it's not going to work how we want it to. So um, I, I'm so grateful that you all were able to get that support of the veterinary behaviors because then it made it so we could be like, oh my God, okay, cool. So Bagel can like recover and like see things. And I was like, cool, so let's do this, let's do this. Like it was so nice to be able to like, feel like I could tell you more things to do instead of like, you just got to keep doing what you're yeah. doing, right? Okay, so I want to talk about one of the skills that, um, we've been working on, I should, I, I shouldn't say we, you all, I've been coaching you on it, um, is the muzzle conditioning, right? Yeah. So, um, Bagel is a dog who is highly suspicious and does not forget. And he doesn't create any leeway for a lumping criteria in training sessions, especially yeah. in, in regards to the muzzle, right? Like, you know, it's like Bagel's one of those dogs that like general muzzle advice isn't going to work for him. Yeah. And the one thing that the vet behaviorist said that like I knew right off the bat was not going to work. She was like, oh, for his muzzle training, just slap some peanut butter on there. And I said, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think she said like put something high value like peanut butter on the inside of the muzzle and then just buckle it on and just leave it. <laughs> Right, like that isn't gonna work. <laughs> said, okay, would work for- yeah, um, Bagel really will not let you get away with not splitting steps in the way that he feels is appropriate, um, which is a good boundary that he is very good at setting. 
Um, but the muscle has been a journey because the first, like literally the first thing we worked on with you was bagel wearing a muscle. Um, and we got the Baskerville and I went very fast with it. I said, okay, my dog needs to be in a muzzle because my dog is going to bite people. Um, okay. And that is a normal human response, right? That's a normal response to be like, cool. So we need to fast track this muzzle thing, right? Like, yes. Um, and I remember vividly on one of the videos where I uploaded and I was like, look, Bagel's wearing a muscle outside. You said, so it is great that it is on his head. I think he might be shutting down about it, Uh, (laughs) which he was. And we continued to use that muzzle. We like brought back down the criteria, tried to build it back up again. Um, And then Bagel had a couple random emergency vet visits that we could not prepare for it there was like some bloody diarrhea involved it was a whole mess so there was the one so we we had a couple experiences where for the muzzle for me at least um was something that only elizabeth touched at first for a very long time because that was the thing where it's like especially when he started to really have an aversion to it um i said i'm going to screw this up and i'm going to make it so much worse and i don't want it because at that point like even with the management skills and other things it was so early on that like, I couldn't get anything right. <laughs> genuinely, like genuinely, I could not get him to do anything for me in any way that was meaningful. Um, so I was just afraid to do anything with it. And I let Elizabeth really be the one to try and spearhead that at first. Um, and he had some more negative vet visits with it. Uh, but there was one time where, you know, she was just out of town visiting family um, and Bagel had some bloody diarrhea. And, you know, when I took him into the vet um, I didn't put the I didn't put the muzzle on it because I was just so afraid of going near him with it, um, especially at that point. And so I don't know how I got him into the vet in a thunder shirt. In a thunder shirt, uh. I had him wrapped up in my arms, and he just I just carried him the whole time. I got him inside the vet room, and it was like one of the few times that he had a not negative experience in the vet. And I genuinely think it was an act of God. <laughs> I do not know how it happened. But I got him in there. The vet looked at him, said it's probably stress colitis and let me go on my merry way and told me to just give him his like situational med and just do that until Elizabeth got home. Because we thought it was just he's just spooked that Elizabeth isn't there. <laughs> it ended up being hookworms. It ended up being. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Like it. Right. You probably need to follow further. But some of those other visits, you, we had to push the, the muzzle. Yeah, right. if they were going anywhere near any part of his body with anything, he would be wearing a muscle. Um, and so eventually it got to the point where, like, he we would pull out the muzzle and he would hide under the table. And I said, ooh, okay, so we can't keep playing this little game of I really need to put it on you, so we have to. Um, and so we ended up trying to buy a couple of different muzzles. Bagel is... I love him so much. He's the weirdest shaped dog I've ever seen. Um, right. And they like don't his long, narrow muzzle, but he uh, kind of has like a big back of the head. Like, yeah, they don't awesome. make muzzles for this size of dog. Um, and so we tried a couple Learbergs, the like wire basket muzzles. Those are also really heavy for his little head. Um, and then I finally went, okay, so I spent a lot of money trying to buy muzzles anyway. So I'm going to just buy him a custom muzzle. Um, and so we got a trustier dog, like Biothane, 
Shout out to not- Amy. Thank you for making a puzzle. Yes, we adore it. Um, I tag her in every video. Bagel <laughs> 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 in the muzzle, and I'm sure she's tired of it. Um, but we got that, and so we have a good muzzle and a bad muzzle. And so the Baskerville goes on if he needs to go to the vet um, because he's not going to have fun anyway. And so, <laughs> right, and it just yeah. is what it is, right? Like. Yeah. It's one of those that you do everything you can to mitigate stress. But in that situation, we have to prevent him from biting someone, right? Yes. Like that, that's just what we have to do. Okay. So um, I think that I, I want to slightly fast forward with acknowledging how diligent you have been about a slow splitting training protocol for this new muzzle, right? And you've been so good about getting me videos and we can talk about like, do not push yet. Not I know you want to, but don't do it, right? But you're making so much lovely progress. Oh my God. So do you want to just tell everybody a little bit about where you're at with the muzzle right now? Yes. So right now with the muzzle, the, he is fully opting into the process. We'll stick his head in, we buckle it. Um, he eats a couple treats and then he can like heal next to me with a pretty high rate of reinforcement. Um, and then yesterday we started doing a go touch with Charles sitting on the couch. I buckled the muzzle, asked Bigel to go touch Charles's hand. He runs over, bops his little nose on Charles's hand and then turns around and comes back to me for a treat. Um, and so we're still working on building some of that like comfort comfortability in the movement um but he is much farther than we have ever ever gotten with any other (laughs) muscle because we're trying so hard um but he does really like it now so oh my god okay and I think that the the attention to detail and acknowledgement of who bagel is and making sure that we literally are training for joy with the muzzle on. And I think that, you know, it's so easy to rush the muzzle and so many dogs are like tolerant. And I love Bagel in the fact that he was like, no, you don't get this for free. Like you have to work very hard to condition me to this, but it's, oh my God. I I have been fortunate enough, everyone to see this progress, right? I get to see the videos almost every week and he's making so much progress. You should feel really good about that because you earned that, right? You didn't get anything (laughs) free in that. Mm -mm. (laughs) You earned all of that. Oh my God. Okay. So really quickly, you guys, I want to talk just a little bit about um, the membership because you guys have been able to be a part of the group calls. Do you want to just tell everybody a little bit more about like what you've gotten out of being a part of the group calls? Yeah. So we weren't in like a reactive redefined group. So the membership was kind of our first introduction to like, here's everybody, Um, which I feel like having, (laughs) having a dog who does not love people um, and you need to work very hard if you're going to talk to anyone else with a dog there um, is very isolating. And I think it's really nice to just like sit down with a bunch of people who also have dogs that maybe aren't the easiest dog to live with um, and like listen to them talk about their dog and to get to talk about your dog. Um, Cause I kind of think everyone in my life who does not have a bagel um, or a bagel adjacent dog is fully tired of me telling them about the tiny little things that my dog does. I like went into my boss's office the other day and I was like, Steve, let me tell you that I buckled my dog's muscle. And he said, okay. 
<laughs> Sounds good. Oh my God. Meanwhile, in the group calls, you get like a resounding applause, right? People are like, <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have people who like understand both how it feels to like live with a difficult dog, um, but also like who can understand that some things that aren't a big deal to others are like a really big deal for you um, and be really happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Charles, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the other things that's really nice for me is I came into it knowing nothing about how to work with dogs. And, you know, it's great to have Elizabeth to work with and to talk with about this and to have you as well as another expert on that. Um, It's nice to be able to talk to people who and like hear their stories um, who aren't. (laughs) Right, they are dog pros, right? Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's nice to have that, to be able to do sort of things that they're, you know, the challenges that they have, the things that they're working to overcome. Um, it's a little bit in some ways uplifting, in some ways inspiring, and in some ways it, it makes it easier to continue to have to muddle along and try and figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that like, I mean, to kind of circle back, Elizabeth, what you were saying about being it being isolating, right? Like, a dog who has a bite history and we know is capable of aggressing, that doesn't, like, make it easy to, like, it really expand your social circle and have, like, super meaningful connections when the dog is around because your attention's always split, right? You're always making sure, like, okay, is the dog okay, right? But to be able to be in the Zoom call and you don't have to manage Bagel because it doesn't really matter and if he barks during the call, everyone's like, woo, feel you on that, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, you know, that's something that Steph and I have, have worked so hard to cultivate, right? It's like this space where like the only other people who could understand are in the call. Bagel, did you just jump off of the table? Is that what you just- No, Bagel actually fell. Oh, Bagel. Really long and just sort of swung off. Bagel, come on. It was everyone. Bagel was sitting in a lap and he (laughs) fell off, but now I think he's, I think he's okay. But yeah, right. Like we've, we've really tried to cultivate that space for you all. Right. Because like, while we give you tangible steps, right? And we we're very good about like telling you what you need to be doing training wise. Sometimes you just need the emotional space to be like, Bagel did this this week and it was awesome. Or Bagel did this this week and it felt like shit, right? Like, and I don't want to be mad at Bagel about it, but like, and people who get it, right? Who are like, yeah, been there. That is so hard. It's one of the things that I didn't realize we weren't having as like dog parents, like, it's not like we just get to go to the dog park and talk with other dog parents. Like it's not, we didn't have that. And I didn't, I didn't realize what I was missing until we really were a part of the the group sessions and to be able to really like have that. Um, Cause it's like, yeah, like I could, I could talk with coworkers about their dogs and things, but like they kind of get it. They kind of don't. <laughs> right? right. Well, and it's like, let's be honest, like the average person's like, dog training experience is very limited and they probably make a lot of innuendos about like dominance and things that you know to not be true or relevant and it just is kind of awkward so you're kind of like yeah maybe this isn't worth like continuing but then it's like in the group calls it's like everyone is committed right to modern dog training and sticking with it and like yeah it's it's honestly been such a privilege right to be able to be a part of the calls and be a facilitator for those because um, yeah, no, I, I can commiserate, right? Like you all know that I have lived with um, many a difficult dog <laughs> in my day. Okay, so um, 
Bagel is making such amazing progress. I, I seriously, I have so much respect for both of you for stepping up and getting Bagel what he needed to be successful, right? Like I know it has been long and arduous and expensive, but he is worth it, isn't he? Oh my God. Okay, yeah. so if you were going to give one piece of advice to a reactive dog team listening who maybe... um has not been able to make a lot of progress and they're feeling kind of overwhelmed, what would you tell them? I would probably tell them to talk to someone like you who knows what they're doing. Uh, (laughs) And then I, like, if you decide that you maybe need, like, medication support for that journey that you're about to go on, um, I wish we would have done it a million times sooner. Just kind of uh, behaviors right from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Charles, what about you? I think really what I would recommend is like what you're going to want is for your dog to be happy and seek out that happiness for your dog. Don't let stigmas get in the way. Don't let, um, you know, bad advice or other things sort of stop you from reaching out to people who know what they're talking about (laughs) and, you know, really go into it from the position of it might be a little more difficult in the short term, but the goal is that, you know, my dog gets to live a life where he gets to be happy and doesn't have to live just fearful of everything. Oh my God. Seriously, you two are the best. Okay. And bagel is just thriving. Okay. So tell every, um, Elizabeth, tell everyone your Instagram handle. Yeah. Um, my Instagram handle that I constantly forget uh, is training underscore bagel, um, the normal way you spell bagel. Um, and then we also have a TikTok that's just Elizabeth and Bagel. Oh my God. So, okay, so we'll be sure to include links to that so everyone can follow along and they can see Bagel living his best life. Thank you so much, you two, for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. It was great. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.